Hey, Hit Factory listeners, this is Aaron. If you're enjoying and want even more Hit Factory, including the entirety of this episode, consider becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com slash hitfactorypod. For just $5 per month, you'll get access to our premium bi-weekly episodes, bonus episodes, interviews, polls, and a lot more. Thanks for listening and supporting. What I think this film does, if we're going back to this conversation about, you know, Spike's very intentional focus on the community and and the people um, affected by these murders, um, is he shows the ways that all of the terror sort of sort of happening in and around this community affects these people. Yes. But he also still shows us that they are people that have problems of their own that still march forward, even in the wake of political and social unrest. Um, And there are those moments in this film when I forgot that we were even worried about (laughs) murders happening because I was so engrossed in the relationships and, it makes the film that much more powerful. Yeah, for sure. And I love the, um, the street kind of, there's a, a lady in Bedford's Stuyvesant, AKA Bedsty, that he interviews and the, and the older ladies really enthused that the killer isn't a black man. And yeah. she says that if it was a black person, there'd be riots in the street right now. Um, and you would get a totally different perspective. Uh, and that was fascinating. And, and I think that was, kind of spike uh, imprinting um, sort of his texture and his uh, philosophies that he's used throughout his filmography, um, putting that in the film and kind of finding his voice and his in. And um, I absolutely love, usually in movies, there's like a scene with a song that wins me over or helps win the movie for me. And out of, I mean, Spike is the king of montages, and there is a fantastic one. I think one of his best is in this movie, hmm. where um, it's it's just as bonkers as many parts of the film, um, and it's Adrian Brody playing guitar, both playing guitar and beating up a blow up doll with a sharp knife, ripping it to shreds uh, as uh, Babbo O'Reilly plays by the Who. And I was like, this is incredible. I mean, we're getting that perspective, we're getting the color saturation and and different um different schemes of film stock and then it's transitioning to like the uh yankee stadium where reggie jackson um and the yankees won the world series in 1977 uh you know reggie jackson's kind of pointing at legozamo and uh, brody in the stands um there there's so many different things happening and then there's uh peter raspoli's character he's one of the a noteworthy that guy of the 90s and he's in this film (laughs) Um, anytime you need a sort of Italian mobster or gangster, he's, <laughs> he, he's in the mix. Yep. That's right. The boss, Jackie April himself. Yes. R.I.P. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, that Bob O'Reilly montage is, uh, just a, a transcendent moment. I mean, the, the, the movie, like I said, has this electricity, has this kind of like thrumming sort of energy to it the entire time. And it climaxes there and you see this moment and it, it's transporting. I, I I went somewhere else. My like soul left my body for a moment when it happened. One because like you know like everyone loves that fucking song. It's incredible. Like no matter how many times you hear it, there's that awesome uh, Joe Para episode where he like 
discovers Bob O'Reilly for the first time and <laughs> runs around town sharing it to, with everybody who's already heard it, but is still happy that he's so enthusiastic. It's amazing. But yeah, that that scene is just like the the moment when it's just it's just a rush. I don't, I don't even know what to say about it besides like yes, incredible montage, visceral, like everything that Spike does well on full display for those like four and a half minutes. Yeah, and it's kind of a nutshell moment of 1977 and these people and their lives and what this what this song what that moment meant for them. Um, and it's I think it's a nice homage to Richie's character in many ways. It's kind of a love letter to what he loves and what drives him, which is you know he he comes back to New York from the UK and he's very British up with his. Uh, <laughs> semi-decent accent most mostly terrible that they make fun of then it kind of just goes away i I like the fact that it just stops it just ends at a certain point (laughs) yeah um and and carly you you touched on on a really good point with the uh sweetness paid towards the women in the film and and one thing i wanted to note was how the the trajectory of the film is sort of uh, emasculating the men right it's sort of Mm -hmm showing all these tough guys who who think they know a who the killer is b the fact that you know they at, at least in, in terms of Vinny, um him thinking that he can just hook up with anyone he wants and have sex and go out and party that these things sort of make them macho right and and stand out and as the film progresses we, we realize you know the women are the ones taking hold of the situation and kicking them out or um just smarter um as a whole. And, uh, it, it's the men who are kind of that, that scene that we alluded to with, uh, with Vinny cradled up after, um, you know, coming really quickly. He, uh, he looks like a baby there, right? He's not showing affection mm-hmm. and, and he's all his flaws are on display in, in that sort of shot in that moment. Um, and, and also, um, you know, Richie's character, the, the way his, he's an outsider, he has a new way of thinking and, this is a community that is so close knit that they're uh, too ignorant and uh, too repulsed by the idea of accepting someone new and someone with a different way of thinking. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, that sort of tension. Um, I like that. That was the story arc that it went, it went that way. 